Hi, this is Steve Morse from Deep Purple, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Red Beach from Whitesnake, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody, this is John Petrucci from Dream Theater, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 125 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. Episode 125, we've got a very special feature on the band Dream Theater. Dream Theater will be coming to Pittsburgh October 4th to play the Trib Total Media Amphitheater at Station Square. Uh, And as you're listening to this podcast close to when it airs, you realize that's only in a few days. So what we're going to do is sit back, keep our mouths shut, and let you listen to an interview that we just did with John Petrucci of the band. Uh, John, as many of you are familiar, uh, an incredible guitarist, uh, did some G3 tours, uh, has been with Dream Theater since his inception, also has played with Liquid Tension Experiment, uh, as well as some other guest appearances here and there. So we're going to sit back, start ourselves in, and listen to John Petrucci. Gentlemen, with great pleasure, I welcome to the show for Dream Theater, John Petrucci. How are you today, John? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's no problem at all. Hey, I wanted to congratulate you. Uh, dramatic turn of events debuted number eight here in the United States. That has to be quite a thrill. Uh, you know, as, as prog music goes, and especially metal prog, uh, it's got to be quite a thrill to see your name up there in the top ten. You know what? It, it's it's actually unbelievable, and. Uh, it really shows uh, the passion and dedication and the power of our fan base and all the people out there that love progressive music, progressive metal, and just the spirit of music in general. I mean, it's, it's really, really encouraging for us to see because we're making the kind of music we love to make, and uh, people are appreciating it. So it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I was trying to think, uh, you know, kind of the history of Prague. You know, there's been bands like Genesis, uh, even uh, Yes, kind of crossover with 901-25, but you guys really haven't changed your sound. You haven't written, you know, what anyone considers a three-and-a-half-minute hit single kind of song, but you're still, you guys are almost gaining momentum 20-plus years into this. It's phenomenal. It, that is phenomenal, and, and it's wild. And, you know, I, I think about that a lot. You know, I think about uh the the history of bands and their careers and, and some bands have certain arcs where where they peak and and disappear and some are able to continue to grow and those are the bands that we try to model ourselves off of and uh you know the the ability to have such a long uh sustained career and that continues to grow 
not only here in America but but worldwide is uh, it's truly a blessing. We're very very happy to be in this position. It, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Now for the writing of the album, obviously, um, I, I don't need to revisit the goings on of the events of, of the band. But do you want to talk a little bit about how creatively maybe the band is, is changed uh, post Mike into the new Mike and kind of how the writing of the album came together? Um, well, this album was written uh, in, in the studio in, in Long Island uh, last January. Um, and, you know, other than some demos I had put together and a bunch of riffs and ideas uh, that, that we were bringing in, um, the, the, the album was written in a studio. And in this case, the big di- biggest difference is uh, it was written without a drummer. So, um, you know, it's a scenario that I'm certainly comfortable being in. You know, I've written uh, my solo album that way. I've written many Dream Theater songs and uh, songs for other albums that way. And it's kind of more of an intimate uh, setup. You know, we're still in the studio together, but you know, primarily it's just you know, picture you be you know being in a studio with the guys, just sitting there with a guitar, keyboards, bass, and our singer was there and and. Uh, it was a very sort of controlled and conducive, creative environment. So we were able to uh, to really dig in and, and get the most out of uh, those writing sessions. Now, we, when you guys write a song, I mean, you, you, you guys don't follow necessarily the, you know, verse, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, verse, chorus kind of format. How do you, how do you guys go? I, mean, I can't imagine the arranging that goes on when you guys hit record, you know, before you even hit record, you know, between your part right. and your... Well, you know, we we have an idea of the kind of song we want to write as we're writing. You know, we we know we know the direction of the song. Um, you know, whether it's going to be something that's that's really uh, experimental and exploring and epic, or if it's going to be something that's more concise or heavier, whatever. You know, we we have a general direction this way. You know, we're not just kind of pulling each other. Um, in in opposing directions, but uh, you know, again, you know, you mentioned before, like some of the progressive bands. I mean, that that's our biggest influence. So, like, when I when I think about listening to old Yes songs and Rush songs and stuff, I mean, that that those sort of eclectic arrangements and things that you don't expect is is you know a big part of our style. So, it's really whatever speaks the best musically as we're writing. Um, we don't map it out before, like this is going to be the roadmap. We just, you know, we write as we go, but uh, it all has to make sense musically. It all has to contribute to the song, and uh, that's that's really the bottom line. Yeah, now what, when Mike uh, did come into the fold, um, you guys just kind of let him add his splash of color to the, to the songs then? Is that you guys basically wrote to um, something like the flick track or very basic drum beat? Well, basically, um, when when the songs were being written, um, I programmed the drums uh, during the process so that, you know, the the songs were completed as demos with full drum tracks. Okay. Um, You you know, they they existed as a demo that we would send to Mike. Now, I didn't uh, go crazy programming drums. It was basically uh, trying to get the basic map and, and basic beats just so it wasn't just a bunch of riffs you know, with a click track going, there was there was direction to it as far as uh, how we were feeling certain grooves. Yeah, and then, you know, Mike, of course, he learned all that, internalized it, and then he came into the studio two and a half months later 
and then he brought everything to life. So, you know, he used yeah. my beats as a guide and then just went from there. And, and you know, uh, he added so much more than uh, I could ever do program, you know, in yeah. my, my limited capacity. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he, he was really super creative and, and, and really took it to a whole nother level once he came in. Yeah. Now, speaking of Mike coming into the fold, what, what kind of drove you guys to make that audition process so public? Uh, as you did, which was a fascinating kind of glimpse into the band. But uh, who, who kind of made that decision? Well, you know, it it was a type of thing where we we knew that it would it would be uh, very cathartic for everybody involved if if it, if we were to to include you know the public in that process, you know, because it's not something that you normally see a band do, you know, audition a band member or or, or whatever. It's very it's very sort of personal and and bringing people into that process you know given the sensitivity of you know a band member leaving and bringing a new band member in and you know people are going to have mixed feelings about all that it was a way to kind of like get everybody comfortable and involved and and together and you know and, and sort of bring the community together and, and and be a part of what we were doing and see what we were doing um, you know, obviously, the decision that we made internally uh, at the end of the day in the band, but we shared the experience with the public. So they, and, and I think, you know, from what I've heard, from what people have told me, they, they actually appreciated that whole thing, and it made them sort of get to know Mike Mangini a bit before they actually heard him on the record and, and kind of get to, I don't know, humanize the process and, and see what we were all about, what we were going through, and and uh, it kind of brought people together in, in a really nice way. Yeah, I have to admit, I mean, as a fan of the band for many years, to, to you know, me and a circle of friends I have who are fans of the band, it was almost like a, a miniature version of American Idol. You know, we were taking attention <laughs> on who was going to get in. And, and it right. that with what Judas Priest did by replacing K.K. Downing with Richie, where he just kind of, bang, here he is on literally on American Idol. You know, and then there's probably a little more backlash. So you guys, it, from a marketing standpoint, I mean, you humanized the process, which was right. really fascinating, which is great. Thank now, you, thank you. You know, I, yeah. I have to, uh, I have to credit a lot of that to to the producers and the the job that they did because they really just just creating the whole story out of it and everything. It was it, it ended up really being something that was interesting to watch. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So give them a lot of credit for that for sure. Yeah, now, a question that was posed to me, and I wanted to back up to you guys. You guys, um, in the past, have done a kind of live cover album. Um, mm-hmm. You guys done Number of the Beast, Master of the Puppets, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Any chance we might see uh, something like 2112 or something from Rush down the road, or is that you guys just too busy right now? You know, it, it's right now we're pretty busy, but, you know, Rush is, uh, I mean, my favorite band of all time, and and uh in the same for for a bunch of the guys so it would be so much fun to do something like that yeah it it really would be great i mean right now you know we don't have plans on doing that tomorrow or anything um but it it would certainly be fun and you know right now our focus really um is the new album and just came out two weeks ago and you know we just started this north american tour in support of it so that's our our primary focus is yeah uh you know, getting out there with you know, Mike Mangini and everything else. Now, um, as far as the live show, I know you guys are, are taking trivium out 
uh, on the road with you, which is a you know a great way to introduce the band to the young fan base. You've got an extremely popular uh, younger band in Trivium. Um, are you guys doing kind of the full two plus hour set? We are. We are. Our, our set is uh, approximately two hours. It's, okay. And uh, it, it yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty complete, you know. We we have a a lot of material, um, you know, from our from our past albums, and we have a lot of the new material that we're trying to play as well. And uh, this time around, you know, we wanted to just have one opening band and make it be a great opening band and a great experience for people that want to come see Dream Theater, but that also like Trivium or may not have heard of them, want to be turned on to them, so they get a a, a great dose of Trivium. And then they get a full two-hour show of Dream Theater, which is really the way that we, uh, we foresee this tour, you know, from the beginning. Yeah, yeah I know. As a, as a, again, as a fan, seeing you guys with Iron Maiden uh, last summer, it was so short. You know, you right, just left right. wanting more. And I'm sure it was, it was a great thrill to be out on the road with Iron Maiden as that was. But it, was it left the, the, the high series of hardcore fans kind of flat. Um, I have to ask, any chance down the road, obviously not immediately, but uh, doing a follow-up Senate the animation? You know, thanks Thanks for asking about that. You know, I, I had a lot of fun doing that record. I, I kind of did it in my leisure. Um, it was inspired at the time from, you know, by my being on tour with G3 and stuff. And I realize it's been some time now. It's uh, I think that was 2005 I released that. Yeah. Do you have material? Yeah, I, I do have a material for a follow-up, um, and I have demoed some of the songs, and it's, now it's just a matter of, t- of uh, you know, finding the time, that pocket of time to uh, to go in and record it, you know. So, yes, I, I, I will do a follow-up, just a matter of um, finding the time to do it. Now, I noticed um, on your website, uh, com, the album isn't available right now. It's the original album. Do you know of any plans to maybe spit out some more copies, or is that going to be kind of an eBay gem? Um, actually, the suspended animation should be available on my website, on com. That's the only place to get it. Um, and we are we are currently taking orders, so I'm not sure what you saw. That, sh- that should be available. Okay. I will double-check that. Um, All right. One, one kind of guitar geek question uh, for you. You... Um, you know, the band was in the that you were an Ibanez player. Um, and if I remember correctly, you used the Floyd Rose. But now, going into uh, Music Man, you're using more of a Wilkinson kind of trend. Is there a reason you made that adjustment? Well, I, I've been with uh, Music Man for 12 years now. And, uh, you know, it, it's an unbelievable relationship. And we have made a series of of just incredible instruments in, in my signature line. And from the beginning, we decided to do a custom uh, tremolo that uh, would have sort of the feel of a Floyd Rose. I was very used to that, you know, so the ability to, uh, you know, bend up and down and be really smooth and, and a spring-based system, but without locking, without a locking nut. So we use locking tuners, and the idea was to get just more string to the pegs, more resonance, vibration. And so it's actually not even a Wilkinson. It's a custom music band bridge that we designed, and it has a, pi- a piezo system in the saddle, and it's uh, it's very unique and, and only available on my guitar. So I've been using that since uh, the first incarnation of, of my guitar. 
So it does not lock at the nut then? It doesn't not lock at the nut. It locks at the tuning pegs. Okay. Okay. So right. You, you don't have tuning issues with that then as far as, you know, going out of tune? I, I know with like a Fender Strat, you know, you, you push it down and Lord only knows where you're coming back up. <laughs> no, it, it's actually a great, a really great system. You know, with with any sort of, uh, you know, uh, tremolo system like that, just make sure you stretch out the strings a lot when you when you sure. uh, change the new strings. And, yeah, the locking tuners work great. I have no tuning issues whatsoever. I can go nuts on the whammy bar and uh, always go back into tune. So it, it really is a great system. Great. Uh, and one last question, and you're welcome to answer this question with a no comment. Uh, we have a lot of listeners, uh, ironically, from the city of Winnipeg, and I know there's been some issues with Dream Theater and not going to Winnipeg. Do you foresee that changing down the road? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I know that we have a bunch of Canadian dates. Um, I know, you know, that this is a pretty pretty busy tour, so it's uh, it's sometimes difficult to you know, to play in, in all the places that you want to play. And we know that there are fans there. Um, same thing, you know, with some, some places in the States where we're not getting to. And uh, it, it's just a matter of time and, and you know, trying yeah. to get the best shows and the best venues and the best routing. And sometimes sure. it doesn't work out. So it doesn't mean it won't work out in the future. It's just particularly on this run. Um, but, but I believe we plan on coming back at some point. I mean, we have a lot of touring to do. And hopefully, you know, um, in, in in a few months, we, we should be able to come back around. So awesome. keep that in mind for sure. Oh, John, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Uh, and I have to uh, admit, getting ready for this interview, I wanted to take time and go through uh, the Rock Discipline DVD again and uh, have you kick uh, my cool. ass. Oh, cool. But uh, it was so <laughs> It's awesome. I think I've listened to the new album probably eight times in the last couple of days. So I, uh, wow. I just have a one-track one. Yeah, I mean, the first time I listened to it, I was a little like, yeah, okay, this, this is very similar, but wow, second pass, third pass, you, you guys have got me hooked. Got to go out and get oh, the, uh, like, the super awesome edition, whatever uh, Roadrunner cool. put together. But I want to thank you right, for taking right. the time. Right, right, that's so great. And we'll see you, uh, you guys when you come into town next week. All right, that sounds great, man. Thanks, I'm really glad you're enjoying the album. Very cool. Thanks for the All interview. Right. All right, thanks, John. Take care. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Locations at Ticketmaster.com or 1-800-745-3000. More at DreamTheater.net. Net. Net. 
Five Finger Death Punch. Share the Wealth Tour. Friday, November 25th, 6.30 doors, Stage AE, with special guests, All That Remains, plus Hatebreed and Rev Theory. Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets. Call 800-745-3000 or Ticketmaster.com. More info at PromoWestLive.com. I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but never had the time. Then I heard about Progressions Music Studio. Progressions introduced me to an entirely new and convenient method of music instruction. They brought the music to me. The instructors from Progressions Music Studio came to my home with their knowledge and expertise, which saved me time and money. They worked around my schedule and tailored a program around my needs and skill level. Best of all, I learned to play music like a guitar king of the 1960s. We didn't spend all of our time with drills or tunes from the 1860s. Progressions Music Studio offers a lot more than guitar. In fact, they have instructors for almost all instruments. Now I can rock it out on my electric like never before. Just imagine what they can do for you or the budding musician in your family. Don't make excuses. Make music. Check them out on the web at progressionsmusicstudio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-O-N-S. Musicstudio.com. Or call 724-777-4678. Two of the biggest names in rock unite. Bush and Chevelle. October 10th, Stage A.E. Bush and Chevelle. With special guest, Filter. Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations or call 800 745 3000. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore and WXDX. Bush and Chevelle. All right, a very special thank you goes out to Lily for helping us get that interview set up again. John Petrucci, awesome instrumentalist. Uh, tried not to go all geeky fan on him there. Uh, but I have to admit, it was really tough. I've been kind of a late uh, fan of Dream Theater, really only got into them in the last probably seven, eight years. Uh, kind of slow to uh, get into the band. I remember when they first came out and pulled me under and things like that, and then I just kind of got away from them. Uh, and then had the uh, pleasure of catching them live uh, back at the A.J. Palumbo. For those of you old, old enough to remember when they did shows there, saw them with uh, Joe Satriani. And then last summer... Had the privilege of seeing them open for Iron Maiden, which was very close to the end of the Mike Portnoy era of Dream Theater. So, uh, a really, really big fan now. So, it was really awesome to get a chance to talk to John, and he was so down to earth. Uh, so, really enjoyable experience. Again, the show, October 4th, Trib Total Media Amphitheater. You can get tickets uh, by going to druskyentertainment.com or if you go to ironcityrocks.com, click on the concert calendar. And uh, you can get links from there that'll take you where you need to go to buy tickets. So tickets still available. You can get tickets at the door the night of the show. And if Dream Theater wasn't enough, I also got Trivium, as John mentioned on the bill. Uh, I know a lot of people are big fans of Trivium. We got to see them at the Mayhem Festival out at uh, the uh, First Niagara Pavilion in Burgettstown this summer. So it was uh, cool to see them. Kind of an abbreviated set, as most of the shows are with the Mayhem Festival. So... As John mentioned, they'll get a bigger uh, chance to see Trivium and find out a little bit more about them. So it'll be a great way to introduce new fans uh, to Trivium, the Dream Theater fans to Trivium, and vice versa. So it's going to be a good time. So, again, we want to thank you for listening. You can find us at ironcityrocks.com, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Uh, you can reach us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. 
Also, want to invite you to check out, as part of the Iron City Rocks network of podcasts, uh, we also have partnered with Signal to Noise, which is uh, hosted by Aaron, who you've heard on Iron City Rocks many times. Uh, you can go to ironcityrocks.com, and then there's a drop-down for the Iron City Rocks networks. Signal to Noise is a podcast, pure and simple, about gear. Uh, he talks at great length. Uh, the first uh, episode was with the founder, I'm sorry, not the founder, but the president of Dean Guitars, Elliot Rubinson. Uh, and the second episode was all about the brand of Crush Drums. So if you're a drummer, uh, a really cool show. I know we don't talk a ton about drums on this show because most of us are either guitarists or bassists, but it was really interesting to listen to the interview. Also in the Iron City Rocks Network, Radioactive Metal. You can go to ironcityrocks.com forward slash radioactive metal. Hosted by Rock and Snowy. Rock and Snowy have been at podcasting longer than I have uh, and have done a phenomenal job. They're up to 180 some episodes. So, uh, really a cool show. Uh, two guys uh, really just kind of shooting the bull, quite frankly, about music. Uh, you'll get music, you get interviews. Uh, you get their thoughts on new releases. You get uh, a great feature they do called the lighter side of metal, which is kind of humorous, offbeat things going on in the world of metal. Uh, you get their metal fix, which is their weekly uh, shows they've been to, uh, new albums they've gotten. Uh, and between the two of them, they see a tremendous amount of shows. Uh, and the other interesting aspect of the show, as I know many of you are in the Pittsburgh area, Snowy from Winnipeg, Canada, Rock, formerly of uh, near the Montreal, Canada, but now living in Orlando, Florida. So you've got most of North America covered there between Winnipeg and Florida. So it really makes for a cool dynamic to the show. So you can check that out, Radioactive Metal. So until next time, we want to thank you for listening. <laughs>